Welcome back to Crazy Faith Talk. I'm Erica. I'm Steve. And I'm Sarah. And uh, this summer, we have been hopefully trying to take it easy or at least be uh, a little more inviting of uh, how we how we take care of ourselves and of one another this summer. If it feels like you're dealing with a lot of life stuff or just you uh, watch the news and feel like, oh my goodness, there's a lot of dumpster fires out there. How am I going to preserve my sanity? We've been uh, having some conversation here this summer uh, talking about uh, what each of us are doing to take care of ourselves. Our first round of conversation in the last three episodes was looking at um, pop culture that has been helping be a pressure relief valve for us. We're going to go in a slightly different direction here for these next couple episodes. Maybe Sarah, tell us a little bit more about where, where you might lead us today. Yeah, so we were debating amongst ourselves as to whether or not to have a second round of the self-care summer media series. And so I was thinking about, oh, well, what could I talk about that? Like, what am I watching or reading this summer that is helping, like being self-care for myself? And, um, but isn't what we've talked about previously, you know, it's not rom-coms, it's not science fiction books, it's, you know, something different. And so I decided, oh, you know what, I'm going to talk about knitting podcasts. Do you guys know what knitting podcasts are? I mean, I know what podcasts are and I know what knitting is, but what's involved in the knitting podcast? I have no idea. So, so it's, it's a really weird, um, section of YouTube that I found years ago, cause I'm a knitter and it's, um, it, it, it's what it sounds like, but it's on, it's, it's a podcast, but it's on YouTube because, um, I've tried listening to just an audio knitting podcast before, and it gets really boring really quick. Cause you can't see the yarn. You can't see the knitting. So like the visual is super helpful. Um, so it's one or two people who have would um, on on a podcast and they talk about what you know what knitting they've done in the past week or month or however long it's been since their last podcast you know here are their finished objects here are their works in progress here are their plans here's this yarn that they bought that week here's um you know a new knitting designer that they recently found and they're really hoping to like knit this pattern or that pattern Um, And for me, knitting podcasts were a way for me to engage in a community, um, the knitting community, without actually fully engaging, because like, I'm a mom, I have two very small kids. And it was always one of those like, well, I just don't have time to go to a knitting group at that end. I have, I usually live in places where I can't easily get to a knitting group, like they're like hours upon hours away. Um, so, or like if there was a local group, they would just be meeting at a time where like, wouldn't be conducive to my work or family life. Um, so it was a way for me to engage in the knitting community and to have friends that was outside of the church and not part of my family. Um, and so that's what I was going to talk about, but I, I realized that as I was thinking about how to present knitting podcasts and this need for community and how I was filling it with a YouTube video, it it made me realize 
that I was kind of just coming up with excuses to not actually get a community for myself that was apart from my work because I think we as pastors as professional religious people like we're really good at getting that religious community but for us because we're hired to be there that community is so weird right because they are our community we are fully part of them we're in like we're we've entered into the system of the religious community But then when it's time for us to leave, we have to sever all ties. And like, that's really weird. And then you go to a new community and you religious community and you do the exact same thing. And you're always kind of having this balancing act of, can I be friends with parishioners? Is parishioners, are they my friends? Like, or are they just parishioners? Like, it's this like really weird relationship dynamic that we have with, with this community of like, we have a very specific role and sometimes that role stops us from being friends with them. And Mm -hmm. like, I think that could be a whole debate about whether or not pastors should or should not be friends with their parishioners. And like, I'm not really here for that, but it made me, but I very much was aware that, you know what, I do need this community. That's not my church community. Um, I need to have some way of forming friends that are not related to my work in any way. Like I have lots of good friends, um, pastor friends who are now in multiple synods, you know, back in Iowa where you all are and now here. But again, like work colleagues can make very good friends, but I needed something completely outside of that sphere of work and church and um, family. And my kids are getting older. They're to a point where I could maybe have this community. And I live in a place where there's lots of different knitting groups. So that is something I'm doing for myself this summer is trying to find a knitting group. Because I know I know, I know that I need to have this type of community and relationship and friendship is just with people over a similar hobby, not necessarily like the same belief structure or family ties, but, you know, being in community in that way. One of the things that um, I, I have noticed as, as you were describing this is a challenge I've heard not only pastors talk about before, but <laughs> a, a lot of adults, uh, especially when you've had to make geographic changes from the place you grew up in or maybe went to school in is how adults make friends um and that that changes you know when when we're in uh elementary school or even up through high school life thrusts you together with peers and by sheer force of it you sort of discover who are your people who are the the people you connect with their interests or personalities um and like you say when we end up in careers there are people who are in a collegial way in those kind of relationships whether peer-to-peer like pastor to pastor religious professional to religious professional or the ways we uh interact with people who are members of our congregations whatever the right word is for that even if it isn't friendship um but yeah it's hard where where do we create those moments for developing friendships and there's not a lot of good ways other than a common interest that then you discover what what uh what makes connections beyond there so it feels to me like you've 
even though the particulars of your life story, there is maybe not a lot of people in the world who are relatively recently relocated ministers who also like knitting. There's a lot of people who are in that category of being an adult, but how do I make friends? How do I develop new kinds of friend relationships? It's, it's so hard. Like my, my oldest is five and is getting ready to go into kindergarten. Um, but he's been in pre-K for the whole past year and his school is you're in pre-K and then you move over to the next classroom and you're in kindergarten. Like it's in the same building. It's with the same group of kids. It's a very small group of kids. Like it's a private school. Like he'll go to public school in first grade. Um, but watching him with his friends, it's so fascinating because it's like, oh, hey, you're my same age. You're standing next to me. Look at that. We're best friends. Like it's so easy. And, you know, I'm watching from the sidelines right next to another parent. And, you know, just because we're standing next to each other and we're the same age, we're not instant friends. It's like, I don't even know your name. You're, you're uh, so-and-so's mom. Like you don't even get your own name anymore. It's just (laughs) your, your kid's name. And then the relationship you have with your kid and that's it. That's your new identifier. And I'll at least say from my vantage point, having been in that position with with our kids who are coming up on fourth and fifth grade age, that that, yeah, there there are some uh, parents of my kids, friends who I know, at least in a casual, oh, I know either the, the name of their kid and think of them as that kid's mom or dad or know their first name. And then you get small talk, maybe when you're sitting, you know, around the same set of park benches, watching your kids play at the playground. But again, that you don't want to, you don't want to pin a whole lot of uh, friendship energy or weight on the sheer, you know, all we have in common is our kids both like swings, you know, um, rather than, yeah, other, other points of connection. And that, that can be a, re- a real challenge. So it, it sounds like this idea of the, the knitting group is helpful for you in that it provides a, a meaningful, non-random way of developing friendships. And it, it's not like there's a requirement that everybody in a knitting group has to be all part of your best friend circle, but at least you're increasing the odds of connecting with somebody that then becomes something like a, a deeper kind of a friendship. Yep. And it's, a, it is interesting because, um, so I've been to one knitting group before this recording um, and it was a really good group, but it met in the middle of the day at a local library. And what happens when you meet in the middle of the weekday is retired people go to it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like by default, the younger generations who are all still in the workforce can't participate. And so, you know, I show up and I was kind of expecting this, just knowing that uh, who's going to show up on one o'clock on a Wednesday. Retired folks. Um, But sure enough, like I was there, there was for sure a big age gap between me and the rest of the participants. But, you know, also as old as, as I get older, like that making friends with just my own age group is becoming less and less important. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, would have been nice to have talked to somebody else about like, Hey, how do you find time knitting when like for knitting, when you also have to do like 10 loads of laundry a week and your kids eat like a lot of food that you have to like prepare for them and then clean up and like also take them to the playground. Like, how do you find time to do that? That conversation would have been nice to have. Um, 
but instead, you know, it's just, I'm seeing people who are retired, who are now finally having the time to do this hobby that they've always had, but now they have lot, they have more time for it and they can produce like a blanket for hospice in two weeks. And it's like, oh my goodness, if I only I could have that kind of dedication to a project right now. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a work in progress for sure. Like, it's not like I have finished, like, oh, I have found my community. I, I now have lots of new friends. It's like, oh no, I'm still looking. I'm still it's like, is this a good knitting group for me? Or is, should I try this one that's meet Monday nights? But then that's another night where I'm away from my kids. Who knows? And by the nature of our work, you know, we do have a little bit more freedom in those daylight hours where evenings tend to be filled with meetings, you know, so where folks that are maybe closer to our age range might have their evenings free. We don't because we have meetings because people in our churches work. And so they don't have their daylight. And it's just, it's an odd thing. Um, I mean, we're an odd bunch to begin with, but (laughs) the, the nature of our work isn't a nine to five work. Yeah. I, I want to lift up too. I think one of the things that um, I, I'll at least say for myself, and I, 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 I guess I would invite if you have had similar experience or, or very different so that I don't speak for you. But uh, one of the things I find is a dynamic in pastoral relationships, as well as the parental relationship is that those are asymmetrical kind of relationships that like there's always a certain degree to which I need to be on in looking for I need to be the mature one with my kids even if they are pushing my buttons or with with uh, congregational folks we always have to be the ones erring on the side of how do you model good mature leadership and you know be the non-anxious presence that kind of thing and that it's different from say a peer-to-peer relationship, that especially that that feels more like friendship, where it's not that you're now given permission to be immature, but like you don't have to be responsible for you know, even leading a meeting it has a certain mm-hmm. you know parental kind of a feel of I'm keeping things on track. Someone's got to keep things on track, um, and even if any one of us isn't the chair or head of a meeting we happen to be in people who know us as pastoral figures sort of you're you're expected to model sort of and again right rightfully so um but it is it, it does seem important to have other places in our lives where you're not ex- the all eyes are not on you to be the the parent in the room kind of a thing i guess and i, I i'm wondering how each of you navigates in your own lives uh, and and whether whether just cultivating a circle of friends helps to attend to that so there's places you can be just you and not pastor you i'll be honest it's an area i struggle with like my best friend is one of the few people that i feel like i can just be me and take off the the pastor hat completely and, and do things that are not pastoral in our conversation but she lives in kentucky you know, she lives eight hours away from me. So while our conversations, you know, over text or Facebook messenger or whatever are great and wonderful and keep us connected between those times when we see each other, I don't have anybody locally that I can just be Erica and not have that pastor title attached to it. It's certainly an area that I've always struggled with too, which is why I 
like this summer, I'm trying to be intentional in finding mm -hmm. people like this for me in my local area. But I think it in particular has been a struggle for me because I married my best friend. Like I kind of built in my family structure, that person who I can just be Sarah with that. I'm not pastor Sarah. I'm not clearly not his mom. Um, and, but in a lot of ways that let me be lazy in other areas, right? Like I didn't have to go far to look for friends because he was always right there. And now that we've been married for almost nine years and we have two kids and we've made several moves and, you know, realizing that like, like, I love my, I love my spouse. I love Russ, but I also need my own friends and like, that's okay. Um, like to, to need to have community outside of him and that I shouldn't be relying on just him to fulfill that friendship slash community need that I think we all have. Um, but, you know, again, because he's always been right there, it's, it's easy to go, oh, I, I want to go see that movie, uh, you know, that's in the theaters right now. Who am I going to go with? Oh, well, I'll go with Russ. He wants to also see it. Um, you know, it's, it's easy to rely on spouses and partners that way that I think isn't necessarily what we should be doing. And I'll be honest, that's something I've always been jealous of a lot of my colleagues, because when I move to a new place, I don't have that built in person. The, the dog's great. She's sleeping at my feet as we record, but like, she's not a person, right. and she, but she's not, <laughs> you know, I, she doesn't talk back. She doesn't give that feedback. I can't take her to the movies. Um, and, and so it's that's something definitely as a single pastor that I have struggled with, with every move I've made. And I guess I think that that becomes sort of the, a double-edged sword of that when, when uh, pastors have spouses in the picture, obviously, like you say, Sarah, there's a certain built-in partnership, at least ideally, if it's a good relationship where there is, we're there to be there for one another and can be your go-to. Uh, but also, uh, the, I mean, the, the, when, when you're talking about the relationships that are in a household, there's always some degree when you're an adult in the household of not even, uh, not just what do I want, but what's best for the whole household, you know, so that, you know, if, if uh, you're buying groceries and it's just for you, you can pick whatever kind of breakfast cereal you want. But if it's, you're looking out for a whole household, it's, you know what, I don't always get the kind I want because maybe we need to buy just one box of cereal that everybody can, you know, that kind of thing. And again, to me, it points to just, just like you said, Sarah, even when you're, even when you're married, there needs to be uh, other kind of connections outside the household that allow sort of that freedom of, you know what, I'm not, I'm not having to oversee a household here. It's just, we can talk about things and I don't have to oversee or make decisions about your choices. You know, if you meet a friend for coffee or lunch, you don't have to be concerned about what they buy or, you know, like, nope, you get whatever you want. It's <laughs> your lunch um, in a way that is different than if you're looking out as part of the, the same household. Oh, if I have a big lunch and they have a big lunch, is that going to ruin our dinner with the kid? Like the, none of that calculus has to be a, a part of the puzzle. So it, it, it's, it sounds like it keeps coming back to the value for each of us and for, for not just as pastors, but as human beings, as human adults to have, friend kind of relationships or those kind of social relationships that don't also bring 
responsibilities, maybe. And in that regard, it's, it's interesting, like, I would hope that for folks who are connected with the congregations we serve, a congregation can be a place for them to develop or to find friend kind of relationships. So it's interesting mm-hmm. that like what advice we might give to someone in one of our congregations, oh, well, you know, hey, a, a church is a great place to meet people who can develop friend relationships and you can be involved in common interests and things like that. It doesn't work that way for us because of our role in those organizations. Um, uh, and that, that I think that's worth us noting as well. So there are times when the test of good advice is whether we can practice what we preach. But this is one of those times where the exact opposite, where it's lovely for us to have good working relationships with the people in our congregations. But it's different from uh, telling someone who's, who's looking for friend connections, hey, well, come to this, you know, church dinner and meet somebody or something like that, or, you know, just be a part of the fellowship or whatever. It doesn't work quite the same way for us. Can I ask you, Sarah, if you're willing to share a little bit more, you talked about sort of beginning these different kind of interactions with the different groups around. What, what are what are you feeling like will help you know uh, what's clicked, like when you found a group that feels like it's right for you? Because um, I'm going to guess that there's no ideal single you know, group that has all the right people, all the right personalities, that every group of people, there's going to be a certain amount of rough edges, you know, places where we're not... A, perfect fit how do how do you decide what what are you thinking is going to be the way that you know these are my people and that's I I was kind of asking myself that too as I was describing like that this is a a process um you know I think first and foremost right now it's going to be the time like when do they meet and does this fit with my schedule um because even the one in the middle of the week in the middle of the day that I have been to um that was a couple of weeks ago. And I have, and I know that I'm not going to be able to even go back to that group for another couple of weeks because it's, I've had meetings and things get scheduled during that block of time. Um, and that's just, you know, we have a pretty flexible schedule as pastors. Um, but right now I have three part-time pastor jobs. So like all of those scheduling things, like, eventually it, 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 it's a full-time job, just those three time part-time yeah. jobs. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that doesn't, that's not as conducive as I initially thought it was going to be. Um, but again, I think that's going to be easier for me to manage than the Monday night group because Monday night is a meeting night for, my spouse and I, so like usually between one or the other of us, one of us has a Monday night group meeting on Monday night. So which case Monday night's not going to work. So I don't know. I'm going to keep trying there. There's another possibility, but it's a possibility that I would have to pay for. Like there is an online community um, that's membership. So you pay a fee every month. And then you get access to multiple Zoom knitting groups. Um, But because there's multiple of them, like it's different times of the week. So like, even if you can't make the Wednesday noon group, you might be able to meet the Thursday 5 a.m. group. Or if that doesn't work because you don't like getting up at 5 a.m., you might be able to do the Saturday 2 o'clock group. Like, um, at the, so, so that's also a possibility. It's not an in-person community, but 
I think we've all experienced over the past couple of years is that you can have good and fulfilling community on the internet. Um, Mm -hmm. I think just for me, I was realizing that the knitting podcast wasn't enough because it's one directional and I need the two directional. Like I need to have interaction, not just passively watching something. Um, So like that online community membership might be a good way to go. Um, I'm just hesitant to pay into a community because, you know, I feel like that might have its own host of problems. So yeah, that's where I am. I'm not sure if I answered Steve's question though, of how will I know? I don't know if I can make a group regular enough to actually form relationships. That's good enough for me right now. And I think that's all that matters. It's like, you know, what makes it work for you will be different than what makes a group work for me. What makes a group work for Steve? What makes a group work for our listeners? Like we all need to find that thing that works for us. And, and I think Sarah, like you said, with the zoom, with the zoom group, it's not in person, but at least it is some interaction mm-hmm. and that can be, you know, that can make a huge amount of difference, even if it's not, you're sitting in the same room together because you do have that conversation piece at least added to it. It seems to me like that, that ability to be flexible on timing is, is uh, an important piece, not only because everybody's work life is different. And like, like you mentioned earlier, Sarah, if you pick the time that works around your schedule of daytimes, because that's when you don't have meetings that will skew toward the retired crowd for everybody else there. But like, to me, again, that's one of the, the points of responsibility or lack thereof that's important in a friend group that like, when there are other organizations in a congregation that we're a part of, we may have a lovely, pleasant time, but we're there to make sure it happens when it's scheduled to happen and to have places in our lives where we can go. If I'm free, I can go, but the world's not going to fall apart. If I can't make it to this one or that one, it's okay. And yet to know that that it's, it's harder to develop friendships unless there's the frequency of contact with one another. And so if you are, uh, always putting those friend connections on the back burner, like I'll, I'll get around to it when I'm less busy, you'll never get around to it. And on the other mm-hmm. hand, there needs to be some kind of flexibility to say, how do I, okay, this is the time when I, the, the work thing needs to come first. And this is the time when the friend thing needs to come first. That's, that's a difficult balancing act. I often find myself telling friends and, and other people that aren't church folks, like I plan on coming to this event if, yeah something doesn't come up like you know if there's not an emergency like Fridays are my day off and so usually Fridays are pretty free for me but every once in a while emergency comes up and so I might make plans for a Friday four or five weeks down the road from now and then the emergency comes up and all of a sudden like Thursday or Friday morning I'm calling and saying hey you know those plans we made a you know month ago yeah something came up yeah and you got to be able to find those and make those friends that are understanding that they might not see you as the pastor might not hold that pastor role over you, but like understand, okay, you said that you were going to be free. Something came up and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've got to say too, and I don't know if this is a, a piece that either of you wrestle with, but I will fully confess that I am wired to be more introverted than extroverted, extroverted. And that means that it's it's hard sometimes uh, in situations of social interaction, um, 
it like that that is not as recharging to me as it is for other people and so like to know yes there's a need for each of us to have uh, adult friendship connections and also there's times where it's not that i've got an emergency that came up or uh, another meeting sometimes you're like you know what i i can see the option in front of me is stay home and do something on my own or be like yeah that that's got a stronger pull sometimes and you don't want to uh-huh. be antisocial but like that's a that's a, a thing i gotta name is that sometimes being around more other people is not what's good for my soul <laughs> as a fellow introvert sometimes when plans are canceled that's a celebration yeah yeah <laughs> you're like okay I, I was willing to go i was ready to go but now i don't have to Ah. Yeah. Yeah. And I I guess for me, that's helpful for us to say in the context of this whole conversation being about self-care and that um, big picture, I think self-care has to both uh, be good and renewing for us. And yet also sometimes will stretch us beyond our comfort zones the same way building muscle is about, you know, making little tiny tears in the muscle fiber so that you get stronger um and this that our conversation about self-care has got to have a polarity to it sometimes it's about doing things that you like and that are easy and fun or renew you and sometimes it's about letting ourselves be stretched a little bit um because that that's what we know will be good for our maturity or being decent full human beings um and so I, I hope for not only for our sake, but for the sake of folks listening, that our conversation about self-care this whole summer isn't just um, let's list off things that we like. We could just, you know, do that song. These are a few of my favorite things from Sound of Music, if that's all we were doing. But what are the things that we discover help us to become more fully alive, both the things that are comfortable for us and good in that regard, but also what are the things that stretch us in ways that we need it? Sometimes I need that reminder, too, that self-care isn't just about self-indulgence. Uh, but about what are the things that I need in this moment. And sometimes it's other people. And sometimes it's being able to say, no, other people are not going to help me right now. (laughs) Yep. And I think that's a good reminder. And for me, right this moment in this like cruddy summer where there's lots of bad happening in the world, what I need most right now is community. Mm -hmm. Mm And I'm going to guess again, coming back around that you as pastor are needing the kind of community in a friend way that's different than what I need as a congregation to preach to. You've already got that piece, but you need this other, other piece of your life where you don't have to preach any sermons, but it's just, it's an infinity group. Yep. Yeah. So these kind of conversations are where we're headed uh, in these remaining weeks of this series here on uh, Crazy Faith Talk. We hope you'll join us next time for more conversation in our summer self-care playlist series. See y'all. Bye.